Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. How are you doing, Dog Speak Geeks? Hope you're having a great week so far, even though it's only Tuesday. Britt, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, this is going to be our part three to our trauma series. And this is probably where all those warnings that we gave prior, uh, these are probably where all these warnings are going to come in, uh, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some passion coming out on this. Mm-hmm. Because um, we will be talking about how aversive techniques play into trauma. So I just want to go ahead and give you guys a warning to that. Um, you know me. I dropped the F-bomb some. And um, I do get very passionate. Um, you know, it, it's when I, see, when I see dogs that are kind of put in this put in this situation or put in these situations to where they're almost set up for failure or they're automatically kind of got a threat against them it it bothers me and and i'm bringing up a specific example you and i were over the weekend we went shopping Mm -hmm. Um, we got our living room painted and it's more as we say it's kind of almost like it looks like an adult lives here now because we had our kind of our tybee island look and now we're into a really nice calming. Mm-hmm. So we went shopping and we were at a store where dogs are welcome to come in. It was a home store. And I watched this lady come in. She was probably, I'd say, five, six with a Belgian shepherd. And I could tell that that she didn't probably have the right type of training just by the way she was holding her leash. Like it was short and it was, you know, I could just see she almost had this death grip. And then I see that this extra chain is coming from the dog's neck. So immediately I see prong collar. Mm -hmm. Well, that's bad enough, right? Then I see a remote control hanging around her neck. This dog had a shock collar and a prong collar on as she's bringing him into the store. You didn't see this. You saw them on the way out. But as soon as I saw it, my heart just kind of, it hurt. Mm -hmm. It hurt. You could tell she loved this dog, right? I mean, you could just see by the way she was talking to the dog. She loved the dog. But as I watched this dog, it was... The, the amount of calming signals and stress signs that I saw was, it was so much. Belgian Shepherd tail should have been up, tail was down, not tucked, but down, right? So most people are thinking, well, the tail's not tucked, so the dog's good. No, tail was down. Ears were a little bit more flat up against the head. And the amount of yawns that this dog gave was amazing. And I just, it was though that moment I wanted to be like, 
lady, I see that you want to do the best for your dog, that you have no intention of truly harming. Because I do think that there are some people that know they're causing pain to their dog, but they're okay with it in the name of training. Right. Because they've been told that. Yeah. I could tell that she she didn't want to cause pain to the dog, that she didn't understand the trauma that she was creating. You know, so it's, and, and a lot of people think, well, you know, but if the dog was being good and she couldn't take the dog out in public and maybe she needed to be able to control the dog. Well, number one, if you can't control a dog by teaching it properly and you're afraid for physical problems, don't get a dog that big. And two, don't put a dog in a situation that it may not have a good time or it may be too stressed out. Or it doesn't have the skills to handle it. Yeah, it doesn't have the skills to handle it. And I think for me, there are several kids in this store. And, you know, kids are loud. Um, they can be running. And I'm just picturing this kid running by and this dog maybe getting a little excited and then getting a correction. Mm-hmm. And now what we're getting is, okay, kids equal negativity. Mm-hmm. And so then now we're creating this, this vicious little cycle that happens. The more the dog is afraid of something, the more it's going to react, the more it's going to get punished for reacting. It's just this vicious cycle of trauma. Mm-hmm. And it runs deep. So it starts out as a stress and then goes right into a trauma. So it, it's so hard for me to go out in public. When I see these things and I want it, I really, there was a part of me that wanted to go over and say, here's my card, listen to my podcast, and then call me if you want to teach your dog in a different way. But I'm also not confrontational and didn't want to start an argument. Right. So, and I know that there are a lot of people that run into these issues you know, you, we had an episode where last year we went out and you were watching this guy be a jerk to their dogs and your emotions started, you know, flaring up because all we can do is look at the dog and go, wow, I really want you to understand what you're doing to your dog. Yeah. And I think that's why I think this trauma series is so important. And, and we're going to talk the last part of trauma within the system of the dog in this episode and then our final episode we will talk about how we undo trauma and and help people to see that there are things that they can do to help their dog the the dog doesn't have to stay in a trauma state just like when we have trauma we don't have to stay there Mm -hmm. we can recognize then we can get the help that we need so that's kind of where we're going with this episode Um, in the meantime before we really dive in do we have any announcements you're so quiet the first like six minutes here uh we don't i don't have anything not a thing huh i do not no we do have a new communication seminar this month live and that will be the last one until like july or august but we do have it online early fall i think yeah so We've actually been getting a lot of people requesting the dog communication, and I'm really, really happy about that because I do think that that's a very important part of helping your dog not get into a trauma situation, right? If you can understand what your dog is saying and communicate, then you can help your dog avoid those stressors that just keep piling on and keep piling on until it becomes a trauma. So if people ask, what can I do? The first thing is make sure that you're understanding dog communication and dog language. And you can get that on our website. Uh, It's $50 and you can get it. uh, And and you know what? Sit down with your family. Sit down with your family. Watch it together. Invite some friends over. I don't care if you want to invite people to your house. What I ask is just don't share the link. We do try to make, you know, this, this is our business. But I do want you, if you purchase it, please invite people over to your house make the spicy margarita that I'm drinking right now uh, to get through this episode and share it with people, share it with your family and watch it over and over and over again. Because I, I do think that when you learn that, it really, it really helps to understand your dog more. You know, it, it's, you learn something every time you take it. And honestly, I almost learn something every time I teach it, even though dog language doesn't change 
we do we are learning more right uh, there's more studies there are more things that are happening in the science world uh, which is fantastic so if you have a trainer and they don't understand the science part of this you might want to try to find a new trainer no matter how nice they are um, this is it, dog training truly is different and when I started my company and I renamed my company, my, my first name of the company was Home Training. I was That's one of the original, right? <laughs> it was like, I was like home tra- in the sad part is I can remember my first business phone number, 874-8527. It's amazing. I know. Um, home training because I would come into the home and do training and there weren't that many trainers in the area. I mean, from an SEO standpoint, it's pretty on point. I saw a, I saw a thing the other day of this Thai restaurant. The the name of the restaurant was actually Thai restaurant near me. You are kidding me. No, can you imagine? That is from brilliant. an SEO standpoint. That's pretty brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> the the internet wasn't used as much back in the day. Um, I used the internet to print off MapQuest directions to clients. That's what I used it for. I also saw I saw a video about that today. They're talking about worried about distractions while driving now and it's this video of this guy going through his cd case trying to find a cd while he's driving and then he's got map quest directions that he's like holding in his hand I'm it's like, hilarious I'm like, man i don't know how we made it we function just <laughs> fine thank you and you know at the same time like you got your map quest and then your cd you didn't have any change buttons on your steering wheel Right, so you actually had to go and lean to the radio, but at the same time, then your pager goes off and you're trying to locate a payphone somewhere. It was good times. Listen, great oldies. My first truck did not have a CD player, so I had Walkman made this adapter that plugged into your cassette. You remember? I so this, remember this. It pl- you it had a tape attached to it that you put in the aux. Yes, um, of your of your CD player. That was fancy, and I plugged that in and that was my so i'm shifting like it was, i had a manual right so i'm you're trying to shift <laughs> gears and then also like look down in between the seats to like change your cd pl- i mean like come yeah. on now it yeah was ridiculous I, yeah i don't know how I'm we alive. were so distracted back then i don't know how I'm i really feel like that there are more distractions on the outside of the car now than they ever were like all the signs oh for sure all the advertisements and there's, to me, I think the amount of distractions inside the car are less because we have more convenient things to do. You can answer a phone by just saying, answer. You can text to voice or voice to text. I mean, whatever. this is why I suck at voice to text. So, I mean, it's just, it, it cracks me up. Um, but yeah, so when I... When, I love how we just went down that, that rabbit was, hole. That was... Uh, That's good, though. Because a 90s rabbit hole for you. You're going to need that. When I changed it to dog speak, I changed it and I added in redefining dog training. Mm-hmm. And this was back in early 2000, 2002, something like that. And I changed it to dog speak, redefining dog training. Because I really did want to redefine dog training to it being more of, this is a relationship you're building. This is not a... I own you and you do what I say. I wanted it to be, yes, if I ask you to do something, obviously I need you to do it because I know better of this world and safety. But I really wanted it to not just be this command-based stuff. Right. I really feel like now, finally, dog training truly is being redefined. That we're not really training dogs. We're teaching them to live in this world. We're teaching them things that are going to keep them safe. We're making sure that we're meeting their needs and not just thinking about what needs do they need to meet for us. Mm-hmm. And I really think that makes a huge difference in the relationship. Uh, you know, I, I really wish I knew this stuff more on some of my past dogs. Right. All right. Because I, I just imagine the relationship I had with them, how better it could have been if I would really had this knowledge and now that we have the knowledge we're going to share it with everyone we're going to help other people understand that this is 
This is not about training dogs. It is about developing a relationship that benefits both parties, um, especially when one party made the choice for the relationship to happen and the other party had no choice in making the relationship happen. So are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You're going to have to be more talkative. I'm going to try. This is tough. This is a tough. This is, this is tough. Um, let's talk about, let's kind of, we're going to get back into the kind of the systems of the brain. I'm not going to be talking about specific parts of the brain. I do want to talk about kind of the activity of a brain and how that brain kind of where that, I almost want to say, where, what's that neutral state? What's the common state? What's that baseline? Okay. We're going to talk about calmness, alertness, and then activation. When we talk and you're, and you're, and you guys are going to understand a lot of this with human part of all of this because this is also this is this is what humans go through okay when we talk about levels of system let's start with our calmness typically a system that is calm um, usually has no trauma history at least not yet so you can think of children if they've not had any trauma, they're just always kind of in this fun, calm state. They can cope during stress. Um, and, and this isn't just children. This is, you know, adults. If they've not had any trauma, yay for them. I'm not sure what box they've been living in, but good for them. Because I do feel like trauma is a lot more um, common than people, than we make it. Mm-hmm. Right? That it's not this odd thing out. That we're not just one in a million people that has that has trauma. I think it's more like one in a million people that has not had trauma. Probably. Right. But people that are in a calm state or brains that are in a calm state, they can cope with during stress, they have resilience and they recover quickly, which means that there's going to be a lot less chance of them uh, being stressed to the point it turns into trauma. And that resilience is something we've talked about in the past and something we're going to talk about more about building resilience uh, because we need to have it. Um, oftentimes, uh, these, these organisms can go through the stress cycle, which means, you know, we're seeing the stress, we feel the stress, we deal with the stress, we're back to baseline. Uh, it's a very normal, that's what, that's what we want our dogs to learn, which means that, yes, our dogs have to face some stress, but it's that amount of stress and it's allowing them to go through that cycle. We can't, we can't put a dog in a bubble and never give them stress to deal with otherwise they won't know how to deal with it and you might even know a human at this point like as talking about this of you know who who put their kid in a bubble so they didn't feel stress but they didn't learn how to deal with stress so when they get older stress happens they don't know how to function right they shut down um but also these these calm brains usually have very strong attachments right they're they have an attachment to another organism and you know, we've talked about attachments in the past. That is something that is very important, having those attachments. And I think you can have had trauma and still be able to get to a calm state um, with either with therapy or you do have strong attachments that are like a good, I think we talked about it in the last episode, having a good support group, having a good system. Um, so, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I know you're exactly right. I think that our goal is to get back to that calm place, right? To learn how to uh, allow that stress cycle to happen. And that's where in that next, in our next episode, or yeah, in the next episode, we're going to talk about how do we get a dog back to that place? How do we build that resilience back up? How do we help them, you know, learn to, to tap back into that normal and natural stress cycle and, and filter through it? So, yes, it absolutely, that's the goal. Um, it's just unfortunate we have to understand where they are at that moment, kind of meet them where they are, and not force them into a place they're not quite ready to be there. You know, it's like we talked last time of, well, I've been coming, to, you know, to therapy for four weeks. I should be healed, you know. Well, we've been working, we've done eight sessions over two months with our dog. It should be fine. How many more sessions do I need to do, right? So, we have to understand we have to meet the dog where they are, which is what we'll get into um, on episode four. Now, the dog 
that is on alert, right? This, this is not the dog who's sitting there with their eyes open and kind of looking everywhere. They possibly absolutely could be, but I'm talking brain, alert brain. Like it's ready, it's there just in case. Um, these dogs typically, and, and this is where I think, this is where I think Myers is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, dogs that struggle with arousal levels, as we know he does, anytime right. I get a little excited, softball season, boy, he gets jacked up immediately. Um, you'll, but you'll also normally see this activity during adolescence and um, with high drive dogs. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of really try to get that history and understand where the dog's coming from, understand what type of dog you have, how old is the dog, to where you decide, is this a trauma issue or is my dog just an adolescence or... You know, I have a Malinois and I'm not giving it what it needs. They're alert all the time. They're alert yeah. all the time, right? So you have to really understand that. But that when that brain is alert, that they do have a hard time with those arousal levels and they can very quickly, it's like they're just right on the edge. It's like standing on the edge of a swimming pool. And so when someone says jump, you're already there. Mm-hmm. Whereas the person that's calm may be in the house and you're saying, I need you to go jump in the swimming pool. All right, well, give me a second. I got to go walk out there. Where, you know, the next active is already in the pool. So with our alert, they're just right there on the edge, ready to jump in. These dogs can have underlying medical issues that may be very subtle. And this is why I talk about finding a more holistic vet or a vet who specializes in even pain management so that they can really do a thorough exam and not just your generic exam. I mean, think about when we go get our yearly physicals. We get blood work. They listen to our heart, listen to our lungs, look in our ears, look up our nose, right? Look in our mouth, um, hit our knee to see if we kick them, right? But there's nothing else unless we say, hey, I'm having pain in, you know, my right elbow. Mm -hmm. They're not going to specify that. And they're not going to specifically look at that. Dogs can't tell us that, um, so owners have to advocate, and they have to be the one to say, I need you to really manipulate the back legs, manipulate the hips. Should we um, do some sedation and, and do some x-rays, right? We need to advocate for our dogs to make sure that they are feeling good because you know when you don't feel good, you're you're on edge, mm-hmm. right? So we can say hey i don't feel good today i might be a little on edge dogs they're just going through this world the best way they know how these dogs that are kind of on alert now they can cope most of the time uh, because they probably have only had maybe a single event of trauma it's not something that they've lived their life where it's just constant trauma after another it's something that's just kind of it happened to them it's there, now they're, you know, on edge, uh, kind of wondering what's going to be happening. But they can cope most of the time, so you're not going to see it constantly. This is why I think this is where Myers is, mm-hmm. right? Because our neighbors just came over, and, and he was like, he's just so calm. And I was like, yeah, right this <laughs> second he is. But, I mean, you know. I had Isabella jumping all over them, so that could be it Well, too. yeah, I was, that's what I told him. I was like, a crackhead looks calm when Isabella's around. I mean. She's so enthusiastic. Um, She was just so happy to see everybody. These dogs that are in this state are oftentimes in that process of trying to build resilience and trying to deal with that stress, Uh, but uh, they, they can struggle a little bit. Now, they can still have strong attachments during this, which they desperately need, and if they have strong attachments, oftentimes it's going to keep them in this place of more of an alertness than activation. Right, because without strong attachments, you don't have anything to ground you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you and I, we had energy work done. This is one of the first times I've ever had energy work done like that. And one of the things that she said to me was that you, you ground me. You ground me unlike other people. And um, and that's that strong attachment that we have. Right. So if I'm feeling, you know, alert, not necessarily activated, but if I'm alert. I know that you are the one that can ground me. And I'm not sure if you even know that. I don't think so. But you do. <laughs> you, you're just looking at me like, I don't know how. I just wonder about the people who are the grounders. 
what do they do with the energy they're absorbing to be the grounder? That's a whole other podcast. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't even know where to go with that. Anyway. Okay, you know what? I'm going to ask her. That. Well, because, well. No, no, that's part of my work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's yours. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, no, you're the grounder. I'm obviously not a grounder. I'm a, I'm an adder. I don't know. I probably add activation to people yeah. with my energy. Um, I know. I'm high energy. And then we have the activation. Now, with activation, these dogs are going to have the extreme of one or the other. They're either going to be hypervigilant or they're going to be shut down. So, a lot of people think, well, if it's active, why are they not constantly hypervigilant? Mm -hmm. Because at some point, one, the brain gets exhausted. And if nothing is working to decrease that activation, that's where your learned helplessness jumps in. Um, these dogs typically have chronic stress or chronic trauma. And so they're having a hard time. They, they have no escape. And this is, yeah, yeah, this is where we're going to be getting into aversive techniques. They're constantly triggered. Okay. So imagine a dog not escaping a shock collar. And I get people all the time that say this. I don't even have to use it. I just keep it on them. It's, you're still triggering the dog because it can happen at any second. Yep. Any second. So they're sitting there just waiting. So they're either hypervigilant. Is it going to be, am I going to get shocked? Or they're shut down of, it doesn't matter what I do. It's going to happen. So I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to look complacent. Yeah. Oh. I think of, you know, someone who has has been abused and their abuser is still out in this world, even if they're not living with them, but they know that they're out there somewhere. And they're hypervigilant. They're like, it can be any minute. This person could show back up. They know where I am. I mean, or just like at the point of effort, you know, I mean. I know it's when you get to when you really start thinking about it and this is why it makes this is why it's hard for me when I see aversive trainers with dogs and I see these dogs because I know what the dog is going through as the aversive trainers walking around with his ego and when I say he his I mean any trainer human the dog is walking around with trauma and is constantly triggered and can't get away. Yeah. And um, and that's really hard. These dogs oftentimes, and this is why many dogs that are aversively trained um, look like they're so well behaved because they are, um, they, they struggle to think. So there's not any real problem solving happening. Mm -hmm. They just let me sit here until you tell me what to do because I, I don't have any functionality to do this on my own. Um, so there's no problem solving. They're often, their play is decreased because of fear, mm -hmm. right? So there's no playfulness. Think of a child who's trauma-based. If, if their life is trauma-based, they're probably not very playful. They've probably been told a lot of times, like, you act like a grown-up. Right, or you're, be quiet. You're playing too loud, and you're going to get punished for that. Oh, no, but I'm saying, like, for outwardly, they probably look, they're the good kid. Oh, that look like, yes. That they, and they're like, oh, you are so... You're grown so mature. Up. You're so grown up. You're so mature for your age. Yeah, no. You know, we, we do get a lot of clients where I get dogs, where they've rescued these dogs, and the dogs don't know how to play. Right. They don't even know what toys are, right? Or they know they are, but they're just too afraid to play. Mm -hmm. And I had a client not too long ago. I was so excited when, we, uh, when I went back over for a session. They were so excited because the dog actually picked up a toy mm -hmm. and started playing. Oh, that's awesome. And if they didn't understand that, they'd just been like, oh, great. Right. You're acting like a dog, but it was a huge, huge step forward for this dog. Um, these dogs also have a hard time recalling things from memory as far as response to cues because their brain is so busy trying to figure out how to um, just stay alive mm -hmm. that their ability to respond to cues can be very They're difficult. in survival mode constantly. Exactly. Yeah, I know. 
I know with humans, that's the same. That memory is, you think, oh gosh, like I have ADHD or I have, like, what is wrong with me? Do I have dementia? Like what's going on? But it's really just your brain is working all the time to keep you alive. Yeah. That, no, I don't remember where I put my keys because how is that relevant? Like, you know what I mean? How is that relative to my safety? Unless you're... Constant, you're in flight mode and you're like I absolutely know where my keys are right. however I don't know if I ate today I mean you know so it's like or I don't I don't remember so-and-so's birthday or whatever it may be yeah I don't I just don't and I never thought about it before I went and did mm-hmm. continue education with this I didn't think about that memory is affected by trauma in that sense of something like a learned behavior yeah like why you know it's like why do i need to know sit i need to know how to not die or yeah if i sit i might could i could be i could die if i sit right i need to move this is what this is why i tell people sitting is not natural for dogs they're either going to lay down or they're going to stand laying down they're comfortable they feel safe mm-hmm. standing is i don't know what's around the next corner but i need to be ready right these dogs, um, this is a big one, and a lot of people don't recognize this one, but I've seen it time and time again, especially when I hear somebody says, my dog's not big on being petted. He doesn't like to be petted here, doesn't like to be petted there, but there's no underlying medical issue. Well, dogs that are in trauma that are activated can be touch sensitive, mm-hmm. and it can be anywhere on the body, and sometimes it's they don't like the petting you're giving but they're just going to sit there and take it because they don't know what else to do because they can't think they can't recall from memory mm-hmm. you know so it, we have to take all these things in consideration this is why when people call us and say hey you know I, I have a dog who's doing this this and this i need you to get them to stop doing this this and this okay that's it's not that simple yeah. Th- this is this is not a car that you're hearing you know sounds under the hood this is this is so deep. And when we don't know the exact history, it makes it even more challenging. Right. And I, I mean, we can say all the time, well, he must have been abused. No, not necessarily. It could be that, um, you know, like Myers. Myers was, was rescued within a week of his birth. They didn't know who his mother was. Therefore, that means that he didn't have an attachment to his mother because she wasn't around. So he was probably hungry, wasn't finding food. That's stressful. He only had his brother. Then he was rescued, you know, taken out of that environment, put in with a surrogate. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that transpired there. Right. Even though the rescue was phenomenal and they did all the right things, there was so much in his first couple of weeks of life that has set him up to have some issues. And we're starting to see more and more of those as he grows. I'm starting to be able to pinpoint a little bit more. Right. Because before I'm thinking, okay, adolescence, he's just still trying to figure out this world. But now it's, we're, we're really trying to figure out what are these, these problems. Um, but luckily he's not activated. He stays, I think, more in the alert area. And I think he has some, some calm as well. These guys also that are activated um, <laughs> can have, and I know a lot of y'all when you hear this, you're going to be like, oh shit, can have over-the-top responses even out of context. Yeah. Okay. Myers does this some. Uh, some. I know. You're, some. Don't roll your eyes. I know. So, you know, let's say a delivery person comes up to the door, your dog barks really loud and it's big, right? And you're like, okay, somebody's here. That might be a normal thing. But then your dog does it and you go look and there's absolutely nothing out there. Or it was a leaf that just went. Mm -hmm. That's kind of out of context, that type of over-the-top response. Right. So, and again, it's because they're already in the pool. (laughs) They're already in the pool splashing around. So, they're already there. Uh, these dogs can be insecure, obviously, because they, you know, don't know what to do with themselves. Anything they've tried to do with themselves have probably been shut down or taken away the capability, right? Nobody's given them any agency over their life. And often they don't have secure attachments or they at least have sporadic 
mm-hmm. secure attachment. So let's say that you come home six days out of the week, you come home and you shower your dog with love. And one day a week you come home and you treat them like they're the redheaded stepchild. That could cause some stress. Mm-hmm. Like what? what's today? Some unpredictability. Unpredictability is terrible for trauma and stress. And it's something we really need to be aware of. That if you had a bad day at work, okay, I understand that. But don't take it out on your dog. Because they don't get it, right? They, they don't understand what's happening. So you have to be very careful when you're creating that attachment with your dog. Yeah, I think of people who are in abusive relationships who consciously are like, you know what, this is bad, but at least I know what to expect. If, I, if I'm not in this, there's unpredictability and I don't know what's going to happen. I've been in that situation. And it's yeah. that's scary. I've been in a situation where I never knew what person I was going to get when they came home. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was difficult because this person was a secure attachment. And I didn't know if I was going to have that attachment or not. Yeah. And, and you're on eggshells yeah, all the time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm 48 years old, and I still struggle with that, mm-hmm. with that person. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, I've learned more. I, I protect myself more. But it really, it's just really a kind of a crazy thing when you start thinking about it. And you start realizing that some of the things you're feeling or some of the, the things that, that you have going on or, you know, those odd little asinine behaviors they do track back and they, they come from something that you didn't have any control over. But what we can do now, just like with our dogs, we can't control what they went through. We can control what happens to them this day forward, mm-hmm. period. We have that control. It's our job to make sure we keep them safe, that we give them that secure attachment, we build resilience, we do the things that we need to do. We cannot control what happened in the past, but we need to recognize, we need to understand, we need to have that empathy and we need to help them through. You know, it's one of those that they're counting on us. Hopefully, they're counting on us. Now, you know, you talk, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, fight, flight, freeze. What you don't hear about is fawn and fool. And this kind of goes beyond the you, freeze mark. You said fool as an F-O-O-L? I did. Okay. Sorry for all of our listeners that are not Southern, and I'm dealing with allergies today. Yeah, sorry. I, I knew that that would be, uh, like, little... their F-U-L-L. Fool. Fool. What does that Foul. mean? Fool. Okay, like so Mr. how like is... Like Mr. T. Fool. How is fawn different than freeze? All right, so our freeze, as we know, freeze is we're just, we're frozen. Yeah. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stand here and not move. You almost see dogs that look like a statue. Like, you wonder, you look at them, you go, are you even breathing? Right? So, it's like freezing to be like, you don't see me. Okay. I don't move, right? Fawn is a numb state. Mm. So, fawn actually, when a dog goes into fawn, um, they struggle to activate their survival responses. Right? Okay. So, there's, there's nothing of survival. So, freeze, a lot of times, is a survival technique. You know, when people... Say, if you live somewhere with bears, um, I believe, because you hear a couple things, that you just stand still and be quiet. Like, the more um, quiet still you are with bears, or certain bears. I think it's maybe There's certain bears. Certain? Like, yeah. Somebody, there was a saying I heard the other day, black bear, do something, brown bear. I don't remember. Somebody's going to, somebody email us. Regardless, us I'm just going to shit my pants. I'm going to shit my pants. It doesn't matter what There's a bear, let's be real. Matter. I'm going to sh- shit my pants. Did you see that video? I, I have not seen this. This has been around. If y'all are football fans, you know who Aha Clinton Dix is. Um, Haha, not Aha. Um, <laughs> the football player. And so I saw this video. It's his security footage, footage from his driveway. And he's coming up his driveway on like a scooter. And there's like a mama bear and a baby bear. Oh, hell no. I, I mean, he's, he's a big man. 
he is, and he's very fast anyway. Yes. Holy shit. I've never seen someone... His reflexes were impressive. Like, the way he jumped off of that thing and ran... I was like, man, I would... It would have taken me... I would have been Scooby-Doo running, like, in the same place. Wow. I've got to find that. Yeah. Oh, my God. His reflexes were amazing. That's Sorry. amazing. <laughs> he's a, he's a That's amazing. So it's part of yeah. his job. But Yeah. So he was not in fawn. He was in flight. Oh, oh no. He, he was in flight. I yeah. was like, man, I should join some football practices or no something. No kidding. Like, help with that response. Absolutely. <laughs> He definitely was not in a Speaking form. Speaking of bears, he ran. Of course, it scared her. I think it scared them. She started running the opposite direction. She's like, oh, my God. It scared her more than it did him. Oh, man. That's that's amazing. Sorry. That's, yeah. my, that's that, my flight example for today. That was good. That was Aha good. Aha Clinton Dix. Aha Clinton Dix, which is his name, and it's amazing. Encountering some bears in his driveway. So, fawns struggle to activate their survival responses. Um, it's an adaptive state to be in because the body awareness reduces, and they don't feel pain any more mm. yep just gonna let that sit there for a sec okay so imagine a dog with a shock collar on and you've shocked them and they just stopped doing the behavior you've been shocking them for and you think oh look it worked or so that's in their freeze or they just keep going because they don't feel the pain and what do we do? Oh, well, we just up the voltage. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to edit out that big old pause because what do you do with that? I don't know. You got to sit with that for a minute. I'm sorry. Don't edit out the pause. I think you got to sit with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And this is why I think... When I talk about aversive techniques, everybody just wants to say, oh, you know, it's, it's not painful. It's, we only use the beep. We only do this. We only do that. And they don't truly understand what is going on in this dog's brain and the welfare of this animal. Mm -hmm. It is so more than just, I shocked you on your neck, right? right? Like I can, I can shock you in your arm, right? And yeah, you're going to feel the pain in the arm. But if I do that over and over and over again, things are changing inside yourself. Towards me, towards, you know, being touched. Uh, between anything that mm-hmm. could, could could create that same type of emotion and feeling. Right. And so, it is it is difficult. Um, these dogs just, they shut down. Um, and that is so hard when you're dealing with a social species that having attachments are everything and when that when that comes from your secure attachment wow where do you go yeah what is a dog to do when the trauma they're receiving is from their secure attachment that's tough yeah that's really tough and and here's the here's the really bad part and we may have to pause and make another drink. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, man. I know. Their need for connection overrides any threat that they face. So people are like, yeah, I use a shot collar on, but they still kiss me and love on me and lay on me. And mm-hmm. what choice do they have? This this need for connection and this need for for touch and and the socialness it overrides everything because that's how you're made you see children do this who are abused who have nowhere else to go they don't have anyone so they still love on the parental yeah Mm, the parental figure or whomever adult figure whatever whomever that connection is because they need you know they need affection and attention and yep um reassurance and even though they're not getting that necessarily it's better than nothing right you good (laughs) it's hard for me because I believe in being a voice for the dogs I work with Mm -hmm. and sometimes I want to be a voice for the dogs that I don't work with which is why I do this podcast but like 
thinking about that dog over the weekend. Yeah. I saw, I, I kind of kicked myself because now I'm like, how do I, now how do I help that dog? I let it out of my reach. Maybe, maybe someone will share this podcast and maybe that person will hear it somehow. I'll put that in the universe because I, I just, yeah, people think, well, yeah, I trained the dog, but I mean, my dog loves me. Yeah. <laughs> because the need for that attachment overrides anything else. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean what you're doing is right. And it's not. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not. Um, dogs that are in fawn can also, they look very obedient. And that's why I say, once you learn body language, go look up videos of dogs that are have been aversely trained, like using a shot collar. And you'll see a ton of videos where dogs are walking with their owners in busy cities, off leash, quotation marks on that. Mm-hmm. The body language of these dogs tells you everything. Yeah. Tells you everything. It's like if they could get low, any lower to the ground, they would. Yeah. And it's like they look very obedient. And that's how aversive trainers sell it. And here's the sad part. Most aversive trainers think the dog is being obedient. That they have been successful. Mm-hmm. That look at how obedient their dog is. They don't even see that they are actually have abused their dog into obedience. They think the dog's obedient, which is why when you try to help them understand that aversive techniques is not what needs to happen, they argue with you. Look how well trained my dog is. Are they? Or are they just in a fallen state? They're just numb at this point. It's terrible. When you have a dog that is kind of in this state and it looks like obedience, the state of appeasement behaviors are automatic. So... Like, they're going to do whatever they have to do to calm you down, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you have to, whatever they have to do to keep this from escalating, that's what they're going to do, which is, again, why it looks like they're being obedient. It's adults and children who are people pleasers. Yeah. Because nothing else is a viable option, mm-hmm. right? Because you've tried everything else and it hasn't, it hasn't worked. It's just increased everything. Right. Um, and honestly, for most in the dog's brain and in human's brain, this is a life-saving moment. For sure. This is what they have to do to make sure they see another day. Right. That they see the next hour, the next minute. This is where I probably need to pause and make another drink. <laughs> You're over there empty. We don't have too much more to go through. But this one's, this one's a heavy one. This is a heavy one. Let's talk about being full compliance. Okay, so that F-O-O-L. So fawn into full. Fawn is a numb state. I always thought it was full compliance as in F-U-L-L. No. Full. Like that line is in one of my favorite songs of all time. And I think F-O-O-L and F-U-L-L are two different things. No, they are. But Right? I mean, when, I, when we start talking about this. But I didn't know that that was the... <laughs> that's how People would just put liner notes back in their damn albums right. so I could read the lyrics. I know. That would be appreciated. Well, if you're in full compliance, you are F-U-L-L. But this full compliance, no, F-O-O-L. I think, but he's talking about this. Oh, in the song. So this is I about so. this is about the individuals going with the flow, but they're really checked out. They're there. Yeah, that's exactly what he would be saying. Though. Yeah, they're there. Not in a traumatic way, but yes. But they're not really there. They're physically there. They're biddable because they aren't really there. Fine, whatever you want to do. They're checked out. Mm -hmm. Their body's there. Mine's checked out. They'll block social engagements even though they still need it. It's almost like a... I'm not going to let you in even though I know I need to let you in. I can't let you in. Almost like a brainwashing or a a possession. Oh, that's that's a good way to think about it. Like you're not even there anymore. No. Well, and this is where a lot of people with trauma do disassociate. Yeah. They're like, fine, I'm not even here. My body's here. And I may even be able to have a conversation with you, but I'm, I'm checked out. I'm not here. But but I'm not a human psychologist, so I'm, don't quote me on that is one. Is there a difference between the two? Now I got to know. Now you got to know what that is. But these, these dogs are truly, and you know what? I see a lot of these dogs where people call them kind of independent. Yeah. And it's like, well... Let me see what other signs that show me independency or is this trauma-induced? 
All right, what do you got over there? Oh, there's a lot here. Never mind. Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing. I'm gonna figure out right now. This second. So, <laughs> wait on that. Well, there you go. I guess we'll have to wait on that because I saw you pulling it up over there. I did, but it, it went down a rabbit hole real quick. So. <laughs> so yeah, so those are kind of when we talk about, you know, the the states of the brain, kind of almost you almost want to call it kind of the preparedness of the brain, right? Are you hanging out waiting for the pool to open? Are you standing on the edge of the pool, ready to jump in, or are you already in the pool? And then you have your fawn state, which is I'm just numb, um, and then the full where I'm I'm here, my body's here, but my mind is checked out. Like I'm not. I'm no. I, the, essence, I just, the essence of me is. It's not almost here. like I'm giving up. I'll let my body be here, but my mind and emotions are no longer in this world. But that, my body's here. That's actually the line in the song. Is it really? I'm given full compliance. I've given up. Oh shit. I don't I don't even know what song this is, but awesome. All right, so now everybody's gonna go listen to that song and be like, I need to listen it's to this. It's Interstellar song. Outer Space by Anderson Eaks. Just fucking go look it up. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not I, it's my favorite song, okay. There you go. But I've never looked at the lyrics. Okay, to see now if I need it's to listen F-U-L-L to it. F U L L or F O O L. You're gonna have to look it up. So there, you can find it. You can find it on lyrics.com. <laughs> oh no, no, don't do that. Don't look up his lyrics on lyrics.com. No, because they're not good. They, they mess them up. They all mess the them time. up. All right. Yeah, Spotify messes them up. Don't look on there either. Okay, they're bad. I think uh, actually the artists were supposed to put them on that one. Uh, on the lyrics, I think they do not. But hey, I don't know. So they um, do not. We do have a few more things to talk about here, and then we're gonna wrap this <laughs> one up. Because I know a lot of people are like, fuck this. I need to go drink. I might, I may need to put a note <laughs> in the beginning of this episode to say, you need to sit and have a drink with this. Do not listen while driving. Do not listen while you're being, trying to actually accomplish something. Or if you don't drink, use your coping skills. Yeah, use your coping skills. Because this is tough. Now, let's talk about this one last little thing we're going to talk about, which is social engagement system. This is something that all social species have. We have this social engagement system where we have this need, right? Um, but it's also, at the same time, it's the assessment of the environment for danger, which includes social relationships, right? So who, who's, kind of the, who's the troublemaker within this group? The problem is that that's something we all have, but trauma can impact the development and function of this system, which obviously creates kind of, I think, your fawn and your fool to where you're like, I don't, I don't have the ability to deal with this, so here are my options, right? I'm just going to basically shut down in both ways. You're either numb or your body's there and you're, mm-hmm. you're checked out. But if you're not, if it's not met with healthy and active, uh, it will begin to shut down. So if you don't have positive social engagement and that system has not um, been given positivity, then at some point it's like the car runs out of gas. Mm -hmm. If you don't keep filling up the gas tank, the car is going to stop driving. Um, Oil, kind of the same thing, right? If you don't keep putting oil in in your engine, it's going to shut down. And this is what happens. When there's no access to the social engagement system, They'll find other uh, ways to regulate themselves. And a lot of this is through um, OCD issues, self-mutilation, self-harm. Um, so um, in humans, you probably see this as addiction. Addiction, uh, you'll see cutting. Also self-harm. Self, self-harm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that system is broken. I think, though, there are ways, obviously, there are ways to build up on this and to, to increase this. But... But I think you got to catch it, you know. I think you got to catch it at a, at a point and and help. And, and again, I'm not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. I, I just know that I see this when I when I read this material, and I study this material, I talk about this material. I have like ten clients' dogs come up in my head, and it's such a common problem I'm running into that I think. I deal with trauma more than I deal with anything else mm-hmm. um, right now. And obviously we still, I mean, we have dogs that are puppies and we're trying to help owners avoid any of this. I'm trying to, we, we have dog speak set up so we can have our owners from the get go, not have to have me come to their house. Right. <laughs> that's the, that's the goal with dog speak is for me to run out of work that and right. Cause Gray's going to take over. 
and then whatever. But unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever run out of work with behavior issues and trauma cases. Yeah. And sometimes they're not as obvious as others, but they're there. And what I want you guys to, what I want my listeners to really do is I want you to, one, you need to share this with every human being you know. And maybe, just maybe, an aversive trainer or a balanced trainer will hear this and take a step back and realize that what they're doing is so detrimental to these these beautiful and amazing creatures that we're blessed with. And they're doing it in the name of obedience. And I really wish we would just take that word out of the dictionary for everything. Because it's nothing's worth it. Nothing's worth it. Oh. My dog isn't obedient. Myers is probably the one dog that knows less commands than I've ever had. <laughs> but you know what? He's one it's of the true. best dogs I've had. What was it I told him? Or you told him the other day to... I told him to leave it. And you're like, oh, wait. I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't told you I don't you think that. I told him that. <laughs> I've worked, I was like, what do you mean you didn't teach I've worked him on that? automatic leave it. That's... I've that's worked a- on autos, but I've never actually taught him the command. I was like, for safety, shouldn't he know that? I just use drop it. Oh, okay. Right? It's so weird. My dogs, this he knows less than any of the dogs I've ever had, I think. Which cracks me up. But he's he's a good boy. He is. He's a good boy. Even though we're dealing with his trauma. So, it... Oh, yeah. So, the other things I was going to tell you what you need to do. <laughs> we went. We went. Down. I totally, I, I went elsewhere. Because, y'all, this is hard. Right? Because, I mean, I've had trauma in my life. I'm still dealing with trauma. Britt's had trauma in her life. She's still dealing with trauma. We're trying to work through things together. Um, we've have, we have friends who have trauma. We have family members. I mean, trauma is everywhere. It's everywhere. But what we need to understand is that our dogs are dealing with it. I want you to sit back and I want you to, one, share this with everybody. Two... If you feel like you've done any of these things to cause harm to your dog, great. Acknowledge that and then let it go and then do better. Acknowledge it so you don't do it again mm-hmm. and then do better. That's it. Don't feel guilty. Don't sit around, you know, just thinking about it all the time. Acknowledge it, accept it, and then do better because now you know better and you can do better. Yeah, go tell your dog you're sorry. Give them kisses. Give them an extra treat. They won't know what the hell you're saying. They don't care. They're going to get another treat. And then I want you to change how you're doing your interactions. Change your emotions and your mood. Give your dog some consistency. Give your dog something they can count on. Be the secure attachment that they need. That's what you guys are going to do right now. Now, next episode, next week, we will talk about specifics on what you can do to help with your dog, with trauma, building resilience, and helping in these situations and some specifics. I can tell you the very first thing that you can already go ahead and look up is if you're feeding crappy food, stop feeding crappy food. When you feel crappy, you act crappy. You can't deal with things. Your brain doesn't function correctly. If you're feeding your dog crappy food, meaning if they're not on the list of one of the foods that we recommend, then you need to get them off. If you don't know what that list is, you can email us and we'll be happy to share that list that came from Tiffany, who we work with as our canine nutritionist. She put that list together. It gives you all kinds of options. Of course, we recommend doing whole foods and fresh foods, but there are kibble options, dehydrated options, raw, canned. We need to get that food changed. The other thing is if your dog's not had a thorough physical exam and you've noticed any of these things that we've kind of talked about, Find a holistic veterinarian and get them in and get a thorough exam. And most holistic veterinarians will talk to you about nutrition and will want you to add new, you know, whole foods and fresh foods to your dog's diet. So that's the first thing you do before we even get into next week on some of the specifics that we are going to talk about. But those are the two things I guarantee you guys that you need to be doing if you hope to fix anything, right? Because if your gut health is off, everything's off. My gut health is off right now because I'm out of drink. Oh, jeez. I know. 
This was tough. I don't think that's what that means. I think that's what it means. My gut's screaming, more tequila, more tequila, more tequila. And hey, guys, if you've made my spicy margarita drink that's really not my recipe, uh, you can go to at Rob Floyd. He has a lot of amazing recipes. Uh, Send me a picture of you drinking it. That'd be great. I'd love to see it. We'll post you on Instagram, on the Insties. Oh, man. I know. Look, I didn't even give you a dad joke today. All right. You got anything to add in to finish up? No, this one was tough. This one was tough. All right. Well, I'm going to go make another drink. I'm going to shut this stuff. Shut this shit down. Let's go have some dinner at your parents. (laughs) Going to go have dinner at the parentals. All right. I hope you guys have a great week. Please take care of yourself. Do what you need to do to take care of you. Um, Wrap your arms around yourself. Give yourself a big old hug. Look in the mirror and say, God, I'm gorgeous. I love myself. And I am going to be the best human that I can be. And I am going to be the secure attachment that my dog needs without any doubt um, and without any type of um, inconsistencies. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Good job. You guys have a great week.